0: Good morning, Lake Hills Church. It is great to be with you, even by video. I'm not there with you today because my wife, Julie, and I are taking our firstborn to college. This weekend, as we speak, we are moving Emily into her dorm room, so you can be praying for Julie. She's very emotional. I, on the other hand, am a rock, a pillar. Okay, maybe not, but we're excited about what God is doing, not only in our family, but also in our church family. You know, as a matter of fact, last week, you may have seen that we started the Spur Project, which is an attempt on the part of our church to be able to say who is Lake Hills Church, based on Hebrews 10, 24, which says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Well, to be able to do that, we gotta know who is our one another. And so you should have gotten an email this past week inviting you into the Spur Project, but if you did not get that email, I wanna ask you right now, if you will, take the program that you got when you came in, West Campus, downtown, y'all as well, and if you didn't get that email from us, if you will, please just fill out your name and a current email address so we can get that to you so you can then make sure that you're a part of the Lake Hills Church family. Now this doesn't mean that you've necessarily joined the church or even necessarily accepted Christ personally, but it means that you wanna be a part of what God's doing through the church family. As a matter of fact, this weekend I've asked one of our own, Bill Jones, to preach as we continue the series, Living the Dream. Bill is a member of our board of directors. He is someone who provides the financial and spiritual oversight for our church family. But he's also become a very, very close friend to me. He is a phenomenal communicator. And I wanna ask every single one of you, if you will, just overlook the fact that he's an Aggie. We love him anyway, and that's okay. But if you will, right now, whether you're on our West Campus or maybe downtown, I wanna ask you to stand to your feet, put your hands together, and give a crazy Lake Hills Church welcome to one of our own, Bill Jones. Jealous.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I've researched this and I've determined that covetness and jealousy of another man's college is a sin. <laughs> so we're going to have to do an intervention for Mac and help him through this. Uh, we. Uh, Send your prayers up for Mac and Julie, particularly Mac, and taking Emily to school. Um, I know I have three children, and when I took my son to VMI, he was a scholarship football cadet there, and I dropped him off and waved goodbye and drove off in the rental car and watched him fade in my rear view as I drove off. I felt like somebody was ripping off my left arm. And I told my wife, I said, I'm not taking Katie to school. I'm not doing it. You're going to have to take her because if I take her, I will stay. Who's that guy in the bushes? Don't worry. It's my dad. He's harmless. So pray particularly for Mac. We are studying dreams and Mac got us started last week and we're studying it through this, through the life of God's servant, Joseph, Joseph of the Old Testament, not Joseph, Jesus' stepfather. And before we launch into our today's study, we're gonna watch a movie clip. You all know that when I speak, we always watch movies because Mac's not here, and that's what we do when the teacher's not here. (laughs) We watch movies. So watch this movie clip from one of the best all-time movies ever made, *Old Brother, Where Art Thou? If you haven't seen it, rent it. It's worth it. Not one vulgar word in the whole movie and it will have you in stitches. But we're gonna see a scene where these guys are talking about what they're going to do with the treasure, the $1.2 million that one of them has allegedly stolen. Take a look at the clip.
0: Let's mm-hmm. bed down here for the night. Yeah, stinks in that old barn. Suits me. Pretty soon it will be nothing but Feather beds and Mm -hmm. silk sheets. Million dollars. Million point two. Five hundred thousand each. Four hundred (laughs) dollars. Pete, what are you gonna do with your share of the treasure? Go out west somewhere. Open a fine restaurant. (laughs) I'm going to be the major d'. Read all the swells. Go to work every day in a bow tie. Tuxedo. And all the staff say, yes, sir. Nah, sir. And then a jiffy peak. And all my meals for free. What about you, Donna? What are you gonna do with your share of that dough? Gonna visit them foreclosing the son of a guns down at the Indian Over savings and loan? Slap that money on the barrel head and buy back the family farm. You ain't no kind of man if you ain't got land. What about you, Everett? What you have in mind when you stole it in the first place? sound like you.
1: I'm going to be a major D. <laughs> you ain't no kind of man if you don't have land. The dream. We all have big dreams and it's okay. And some of those dreams are God given like they were with Joseph. He had big dreams and we Take up from last week where we talked about Joseph being a spoiled little brat, the favorite son of 11 other brothers. He was given a multicolored Armani jacket by his dad when the other boys had to go tend the sheep. And Joseph was arrogant, he was spoiled, and he was a major irritant to his brothers. And we took up last week, To where they got so hacked off with him, they decided to kill him when they were out tending the father's sheep. And one of the brothers stepped in and said, hey, let's don't kill him. Let's just put him off in this pit and tell dad that he's died. And then the Ishmaelite caravan came by and they said, hey, I got a better idea. Let's don't leave him in the pit. Let's take him out and let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and split up the money. And that's where we left off. Joseph being sold to the Ishmaelites on his way to Egypt. Now, the thing that we're going to talk about today is somewhat unpleasant to talk about because it's bad things. When your dreams of owning a restaurant, your dreams of owning land, your dreams of starting your own business, your dreams of your children, your dreams about your marriage fall apart when bad things happen. And the fact is, we all will experience pitfalls. No one is exempt from pitfalls. No one prays for pitfalls. No one asks God for hard times, for setbacks, financial strain, headaches, heartaches, nobody. Our prayers are always for deliverance from those things, yet we all experience pitfalls. Sometimes the pitfalls we experience are very private. Nobody knows about them except maybe you and your doctor, or you and a family member, or maybe just within a family unit. And sometimes it's very public, perhaps in the paper, perhaps in the news. Maybe it's a topic of discussion at your children's school. Maybe it's gossip among your neighbors and friends and relatives. And Joseph is going to show us how he experienced all of those things and how he handled them. Now, let's take up 17-year-old Joseph when he's with the Ishmaelites on his way to Egypt. You've got to know, he's got to be thinking, now God, you gave me this dream where all of my brothers were bowing down to me. And then a second dream where not only all of my brothers, but my parents were bowing down to me. I'm on my way to Egypt with a slave trader. I don't know who's going to buy me. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I can tell you this is not how I had the dream played out in my head. I sure hope you have this under control. Side note, my great-great-grandfather, Ephraim Jones, was brought as a slave from Tennessee in the 1850s to Texas when he was 17 years old. And I'm sure he had some of the same thoughts. So we take up with Joseph. How does he handle this? we see that the first thing Joseph did is he accepted the pitfall. And the way we know that Joseph accepted the pitfall is that we never find one biblical verse where he whines. Whining is not allowed. You have to accept, but no whining. What is the first thing we say when we go to the doctor and the doctor says, you have to have surgery now, now, right now. Or we get that call from our children's school and says, you need to come down here and talk to the principal about your child today. Or you get that call from your broker and says, you know that stock we bought last year, it's not working out so well. Or that client left to go to another firm because they were dissatisfied with what was happening at this firm. Or we're on our way to an important meeting and our tire goes flat. What's the first things we say? We say two words. Why Me. That's kind of whining. It's going to happen, guys. Things happen. Things happen because of we live in a sinful world. Things happen because this is an imperfect world. Things happen because of accidents. Diseases are here and they will affect people. And by the way, when we find out things are happening to us or a disease happens to us, what do we say? Why doesn't it happen to other? This is something that happens to other people. Not me. Well, do you know who other people are? You are other people to people who don't know you. So we all are other people. And nobody gets a buy from pitfalls in life. The second thing we find in accepting the pitfall is that the Lord was with Joseph, even as a slave. We take up verse of chapter 39 of Genesis, which is where we're studying. 39 Genesis, second verse. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So even though Joseph is a slave in a foreign land, he's doing pretty well. Turns out he was the Slave of the chief of the pharaoh's bodyguard, basically the guy who was head of the secret service for the pharaoh. So he turned out he was owned by a guy with power and had access to pharaoh, and he did this guy a good job. By the way, Joseph had his faults. He he was a spoiled brat. Uh, he was hard to get along with, to the point where his brothers wanted to kill him. But Joseph had skills. He was good at what he did. In modern day times, he would probably be an MBA. He would be the kind of guy you would want to lead your company as a CEO. Uh, He knew how to manage people and finances and resources and farming and uh, the household. And he did a good job. And the Lord was with him even in the middle of his pitfall. And that's what we get when we accept the pitfall. The third thing that happens is that he made the best of it. He didn't whine and go in the corner and suck his thumb and get in the fetal position. He went out and got to work and made the best of it. And in fact, he was blessed. And we know that because in Genesis chapter Thirty-nine, Verse five, it says, from the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So even though Joseph is going through a pitfall in his life, it is not the path that he would have picked to achieve his dreams. As a slave in a foreign land. He was blessed. And not only was Joseph blessed, the people around him were blessed, including the man who bought him as a slave, Potiphar, and all of his house. We're going to get more into blessings in just a minute. But know that once we accept, we don't whine, we have God, we make the best of it, we and those around us will be blessed. The second thing to remember when you're in the pitfall of life is that anything is to be expected. Just when you think it is safe, things may get a little worse. Joseph has been a servant for Potiphar for 13 years at this point. From 17 to 30, he's done well. Potiphar's house has done well and Potiphar, the Bible even says Potiphar, the only thing he concerns himself with Is what he's going to eat next. Joseph has everything else covered. He doesn't worry about his household. And just when you thought it was safe to go in the water, something happens. You see, Joseph was a good-looking man. The Bible describes him as such. Chapter 39, verse 6. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Another version says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. If you have your Bibles with you, you need to put beside that phrase, uh-oh, here it comes. Anytime the Bible takes pains to make sure you understand the description of a person, man or woman, and how beautiful they are, you need to put uh-oh beside it. Because here it comes. And sure enough, Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph. Joseph. Now, I did a little research and I found a picture of Joseph. Um, not many people have seen this, so y'all get the privilege, y'all, I'm going to make it worth your while for getting up and coming to church this morning, especially the women. We have a picture of Joseph, show Joseph. <laughs> that's, that's Joseph. That really is Joseph. The guy's name is Joseph Manginello. He's an actor and a, and a model, obviously. Um, He was on the cover of Men's Health for July, August. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) Could have sworn I heard somebody growl over here. Who was that? He was a hottie, a hunk, of hunk of hot burning love, and Potiphar's wife wanted a piece of him. Let's look at the Bible description here. Now, for those of you that think the Bible is boring, you simply haven't read enough of it. Because listen to this, Genesis 39, 7, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me, exclamation point. Now, Joseph is kind of stuck here. He's got the master's wife hot after his body, and he's trying to run the master's household and his field and the servants and everything that's going on with it. So the first thing Joseph does is he tries reasoning. 39.9. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. So you get the picture here? He's tried to reason with her and says, look, your, your husband has given me everything. I'm a slave, and he's got me in charge of his whole household. He's trusted me with his wife and his money. And he hasn't denied me anything that I've asked him for, whether it be a woman or whether it be food or clothing or shelter or whatever. He hasn't denied me anything except you. And I'm not about to mess that up. Well, reasoning didn't work. Day after day after day. And you get the picture of Joseph walking through the house with his little spies. Okay, where is she now? She's, she's in the den. Okay, I'm going through the kitchen. Okay, where is she now? She's out by the pool. Okay, I'm going through the garden. He avoids her because he's in a catch-22. If he sleeps with her, he's dead. Potiphar will kill him. If he doesn't sleep with her, she's going to do something stupid and get him in trouble anyway. So the next best thing he could do is just avoid her. And that worked right up until it didn't. And she got him in the house one day. All the men were gone, I think by design. And she grabbed him and said, Sleep with me now. He turns and runs out. She pulls his cloak off of his back, and he goes running out of the house, naked, I presume. And she still got his cloak. And then he gets to suffer the wrath of a woman's scorn. And so she waits till Potiphar gets home. And look at what she tells her husband when he gets home. Verse 17. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. Don't you just love that description? That Hebrew slave, not Joseph. That Hebrew slave, now he's a slave. That you brought into this house 13 years ago, came into here, came into my room and tried to make sport of me. Wait, Verse 18, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. See, here's his cloak. And I'm pretty certain she did this. (laughs) The Bible says Potiphar's anger burned, but it doesn't say as to whom. What we know is that he put Joseph in jail. Now, this is just a side note. I believe that if Potiphar believed that Joseph tried to attack his wife as a slave, he would have killed him. I believe Potiphar knew what was going on the whole time and knew of his wife's propensities and knew that Joseph was trying to avoid her and just said, you know what? I can't be here to fix this. Joseph, you're in jail, you're out. I'm just gonna remove the problem. So he puts Joseph in jail. So just when Joseph thought things couldn't get worse for him as a slave, They did because now he's a slave in Egypt, a foreign land in prison. Genesis 21, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warder. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Do you get the picture here? You're starting to see a pattern. You're starting to see Joseph's playbook. It doesn't matter what pitfall he's put in. It doesn't matter what circumstances he's in. It doesn't matter that he seems to be going the opposite direction of his dream. He still has the Lord with him. And he still prospers. So even in prison, the prison ward, the the jailer, got to the point where he says, you know, I don't really worry about what goes on down there in the jail cell. Joseph is in charge. He's my head trustee. I don't even concern myself with what goes on in the jail because the Lord was with Joseph and he blessed him even in his worst moment. He can't get any lower than the jail cell of Egypt as a slave. So he made the best of a bad situation And the Lord blessed him. And the Lord did not only bless him, he blessed the jailer and all those around him. Now, the question isn't whether you and I will go through our pitfalls. The question is whether anyone will be blessed by us as we go through our pitfalls. You see, I have been blessed by a client who lost her son because of her faith in Jesus Christ. I have been blessed by a friend that went through a nasty, extended divorce because of his faith. I have been blessed by friends with cancer, some of whom survived and some of whom did not. I have been blessed by a boss who lost his wife when she was eight months pregnant with his fourth child lost a child too. That same boss lost one of his remaining three children some years later on their way to Disney in Florida when a drunk driver came across the median and killed him. Are we a blessing when we go through our pitfalls? Do we have what it takes to be a blessing? Do we allow God to work through us according to his plan as we go through the pain of a pitfall? The last thing I want to leave you with is that it's okay to anticipate relief. Joseph anticipated relief in prison. And we see that the Pharaoh's cupbearer, that is his sommelier, the person in charge of his wine, And the baker ended up in prison with Joseph. We don't know what they did wrong, but they did something wrong to hack off the Pharaoh. He put him in prison. Both of these guys had a dream. They couldn't interpret it. They came to Joseph. He interpreted both of their dreams. For the baker, he says, your dream means in three days, you're toast. Pharaoh's going to hang you. You will die. I'm sorry. He goes to the cupbearer, the sommelier, and says, Good news, buddy. In three days, you will be back serving the Pharaoh and pouring wine in his cup. You're going to survive. I only have one request of you don't forget me and mention me to Pharaoh. And we see that in chapter 40, verse 14. But when all goes well with you, this is Joseph talking to the cupbearer after he's interpreted his dream. When all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Verse 23 of chapter 40. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph, he forgot him. The one thing in our study that that we see Joseph asking for, just to not be forgotten, he was forgotten. And that's where we end our message today. Now you may go, oh my goodness! I mean, I thought church was supposed to be uplifting. Wow! No, we are uh, purposely going to end right here with Joseph in prison, as a slave in a foreign country, for in prison for a crime he did not commit, and forgotten. We're gonna end there because I want that to marinate with each and every one of us. As we contemplate our pitfall, as we contemplate that which hurts us, which bothers us, whether it be a home life or a medical condition or a child who's gone astray or drug addiction or alcohol addiction or whatever it is That is your pitfall. And to know that there is a way through it. Because we know Joseph, the end of the story, by the way, which we're not going to cover this Sunday. But we know Joseph, quite frankly, is a chief player in the creation of the nation of Israel that exists all the way through today. But we leave him at a low point in his life. And we end with a few points. Number one, God does not steer us clear of pitfalls. Not all of them. Some, yes. Every time I get on a plane, as the plane is taxing down the runway, I have a little prayer that I say, Lord, bless the pilot, bless the navigator, bless all the people who were fiddling around underneath the plane as they were loading the baggage, (laughs) that they closed all the latches and put the gas cap back on. Quiet your winds, calm your wildlife, Give a safe passage. I don't know if that works. I don't know. Hadn't been in a plane crash yet. But he doesn't avoid all pitfalls. He doesn't steer us clear of all pitfalls. We're going to go through some, and mine will be different than yours, and yours will be different than hers. But when we're in the pitfall, we're not. By, we're not in there alone. If we're connected, God is with us through it all. Expect the pitfall to last longer than we want but not a second longer than what God wants. Going through one of God's pitfalls is sort of like going through the Spartacus exercise routine. And if you don't know what Spartacus is, look it up. It's ten stations, one minute each, back to back. Three sets, okay? So you do 10 things for one minute, back to back, and then you get a rest, and then you get to do it again, and you get a two-minute rest, and then you get to do it again. Now, there are some of you buff-looking guys out there that say, I can do anything for a minute. Trust me, there is no longer minute than the second set about halfway through in Spartacus. That minute lasts about an hour and a half. But if you endure it, the end results will be pleasing. And oftentimes as we're going through it, we say, God, are you there? How long? And is it going to get any worse? And don't ask that question because it probably will. Expect the unexpected in the pit, both bad and good. Count on God to deliver you if you are connected and most importantly, you can count on God using you in your life as a blessing to someone else. So we end with this very simple question. When you hit your pitfall this week, next week, next month, next year, maybe now, will you reject it and whine Or like Joseph, will you open your arms and embrace it? Let's end with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come thanking you for all that you have done for us and all that you have done through your son Jesus. And we know that your son Jesus, when he left this earth and returned to heaven, he left us with a final word. And that final word in Matthew twenty-eight twenty is that, and remember, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Help us to remember that as we go through the pitfalls of life while we pursue our dreams, some dreams given to us even by you. But to know and to accept that you, through your son Jesus, will be with us. That you will never, ever let us go through any of our pitfalls alone. Help us to feel your presence. Help us to be a blessing to those that are watching us, our children, our parents, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our boss, our subordinates. the person sitting next to us on the plane that we may never know. Help us to be a blessing, even in the midst of our pitfalls and setbacks. If there is anyone here with our heads bowed and our eyes closed that is not yet connected, you've never made that commitment, you've never accepted The companionship and the love of Jesus Christ. Now is the time. You may not know all the answers. You may still have some questions, and that's okay. But if you're being led today to say, I'm all in, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm all in. I'm tired of going through my pitfalls alone. I'm tired of the struggle. I need some help. And that last word that Jesus gave us that he would be with us always, even until the end of age. If you want a piece of that, now is the time. And that's all you gotta do is just ask with your head bowed, with your eyes closed. If there's anyone that has prayed that prayer, raise your hand, very slowly, but definitively. We have something we wanna give you. Keep your hands up, just a moment. All eyes closed, heads down. When you get the, the little package that's coming to you, open it up, fill it out, it's got a little Bible in there, and drop off the card at the blue tent or put it in the offering plate. If you have any questions, there's, there will be people at the blue tent that will help you. We have a thing that we do here is you bring your hands down, we bring our hands together and say welcome to the family.